Hear now this reading from Matthew's Gospel, the 21st chapter. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of, Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? This is the word of the Lord. This is Palm Sunday. What does that mean? It's all about the kids processing down the aisle at the start of the service, right? Let's be honest, that's why a lot of us are here. Of course not. But the kids might be pointing us to something more important than many of us realize on this holy day. Palm Sunday's always kind of fascinated me. I've often wondered why we make such a big deal about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's not a very impressive animal. They're stubborn, they're goofy looking, they stink. They're not very majestic. Yet there's something important going on here in this story. The crowds are huge. They're doing something very peculiar for this particular carpenter. They're treating this entry into David's royal city like the entry of a king. This wasn't just Jesus and a few of his disciples moving through the entry gates into the city. There were crowds going before him, letting Jerusalem know that there's a new king coming to town. There were crowds moving behind Jesus to protect him, to show him their approval and their adoration. This is a celebration for those who have been traveling with Jesus all this time. This man who has gone about the region preaching and teaching about God's kingdom This man who had healed so many. This man who had brought life back to the dead. Sight to the blind. Movement to the lame. He's about to take his seat upon the throne in Jerusalem. Oh, what a day. What a celebration. Can you just imagine it? The excitement's been building up to this point. The story of God being born in the flesh, being nurtured by Mary, being taught the faith by the religious leaders. Teaching the faith to whoever would listen. 
This story of God's grace being revealed in the flesh is about to climax the very moment that this crowd enters the city with their king. This is truly a day to celebrate for many. But for some, this is a day for fear and for worry and confusion. For the folks in power, the religious leaders, Jesus coming into town by way of entering the king's way is certainly cause for concern. The moment Jesus comes, they can feel their power starting to slip away. They don't have the control that they like to have, but maybe, just maybe, there's still a chance of containing all of this excitement. Maybe if they move quickly enough, they can quiet the people and contain it. But almost immediately, they realize that the whole city is already in an uproar. The leaders are terrified. They hear people talking. Is this the Messiah? Is this the one, the one who's going to come and put us, Israel, the nation, back on top? But what these leaders also hear what about our leaders now? What place will they have in this new Jerusalem? Maybe it's their fault that we aren't the great nation anymore. Maybe we ought to get rid of them. So the leaders have to think fast. They realize that if they get to Jesus before he makes it into the heart of Jerusalem, maybe they can convince him to settle down the crowd. They know that the crowd won't listen to what they have to say, but they're waiting on Jesus' every word. They want to hear him talk. Maybe if they get to Jesus, he's the key to containing the excitement. And that's usually where Palm Sunday ends. The lectionary reading just cuts off there. That's it. That's the end of it. But that's not the whole story. It's fascinating to me that we don't hear the verses that come next. They're the ones that teach us why this day is so important. Right after Jesus makes it into the city, the first place he goes is to the temple. He's surrounded by advocates, by friends, the disciples, by critics, the Jewish religious leaders. The whole city was there. They wanted to know what's going on. What's Jesus' next move? And they see him cause a scene in the temple. What could it mean for this man, the one who may be the Messiah, to go into the holy temple, turning over tables, yelling at the money changers, releasing the pigeons... Is this confirmation that this is the Messiah? That this is the one we've waited for? He was riding a donkey after all. The scriptures said that the Messiah would ride a donkey, but it's not exactly a militant animal. But this guy right here, he, he doesn't seem like a very calm and meek Jesus. Maybe this is the guy we've waited for, the son of David. There were skeptics all around, just wondering. But that day there were also those in the temple who were awaiting a miracle. They were praying that God would have mercy on them. That day their prayers were answered. Matthew tells us that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple that day. They were there in front of the leaders. They were there in front of the skeptics, in front of the disciples. They were there in front of the children too. And Jesus healed them. He restored them back to life in the community of faith right there in the temple. We thought this whole story was the most exciting point when Jesus entered through the gates of Jerusalem. It's only because we didn't read the next few verses. Now that he's in the city, he's on a mission. The time has come. The world will know that this is the Son of David. This is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And who is it that pushes the leaders over the edge? The children. 
After Jesus cleanses the temple and heals the broken people praying for a miracle, the children cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. At that moment, every religious leader felt their heart sink because they know what all of us know. You can keep adults quiet. There are lots of ways to make an adult stay silent. But when the children get excited, they don't care who hears them. If a child has something to say, they're going to say it. And when they're this excited, they're not going to say it quietly. This isn't something that can be kept a secret any longer. The Messiah has entered the city. The Messiah has a following. And the leaders have a problem. These children know who Jesus is. There's no doubt in their minds that Jesus is the Son of God. They probably knew the scriptures better than their own parents at this point. It was their job as children to study the scriptures all day long, memorizing them. The word of God was being imprinted on their hearts. And when they saw the word in the flesh, these children recognized it. This word made flesh that they saw was exactly what the scriptures foretold. This word was love. He healed the broken. He comforted the restless. He touched the untouchables. He befriended the least and the last and the lost. He cared about them, the children. Nobody had ever put the children in the seat of honor. But Jesus did. This word made flesh was justice. He spoke up for those who didn't have a voice. He called out the evils in the world around him. He did not stay silent when he saw injustice, even if speaking out was going to make him an enemy. This word made flesh was hope. For so long, the people of Israel had been oppressed. They had been oppressed by Rome. They had been oppressed by their own leadership. They had been oppressed by their own religious laws. Jesus offered them another way. He offered them freedom and life. But freedom and life come at a price. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. The children cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. They know this man is love and he is justice and he is hope. Surely this is a magnificent day. But remember, there's a price to pay for freedom and life everlasting. On the day he entered Jerusalem, the crowds loved him. They saw him as the one, the new David, the new political reality for Jerusalem. Less than a week later, they cry out, crucify him. Less than a week from today, we'll cry out, crucify him. As much as we want to follow Jesus into the city, with hopes of not turning our backs on him, we will. Freedom and everlasting life require death. They require a cross. They require pain, suffering, and agony. They require torture and torment. Today we shout, Hosanna. Friday we'll shout out, crucifixion. Palm Sunday is a bittersweet time. It's a confusing time. Are we to be happy knowing what the Messiah means? What being the Messiah means? 2,000 years later, we know what's going to happen. We know that one week from today, the stone will be rolled away and death will no longer have control of our king. Does it make Friday any easier? There's happiness and hope that comes from this coming week. But let's think about our sins a little bit. On Thursday, we'll share a meal with one another and with God. We'll remember all that he's done for us. We'll remember all that he's taught us along the way. We'll look back on those stories, on the good times and the bad. We'll share memories, knowing what Good Friday holds. 
on Friday, we'll need strength. Filled with grace and peace from God, we will walk with Jesus. We'll watch him as he stumbles and falls under the weight of our sins. He'll pick up the cross and he'll cry out under its weight. I'm doing this so that you might live. Remember I love you. And we'll want to help. But this hope and everlasting life is something that can only come from what God can do. We can only watch as the guards beat him, spit upon him, as he continues that journey to the top of the hill. When we get to the top of the hill with Jesus, we're going to watch the crucifixion. We're going to watch through teary eyes as Jesus lays down on that cross as it rests on the grass. And we'll want to yell, stop. Our mouths will move, but nothing will come out. The guards will stretch him out, tearing his tendons and ligaments. We'll hear him snap and pop, and Jesus will cry out in agony. And then the guards are going to hand us the hammer and the nail. And with every act of disobedience that we've ever committed, we'll drive those nails just a little bit further. And when we're done, we'll watch as the cross is lifted into place. And when we're done, we're going to fall to our knees before the throne of grace, seeing just how much everlasting life and freedom cost. Folks, this Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem. He enters the gate in a fashion fit for a king. The leaders are right to be worried. He's moving into the city to take his seat upon the throne. But his throne isn't gold. It isn't adorned with precious jewels. It's not pretty. It's wooden. It's got splinters. It hurts to sit upon this throne. His throne is a cross. He doesn't sit upon his throne as a normal king to be served. When he takes his seat upon this throne, he serves all of creation. These children understand that. They speak about what they know. They tell the world that there is a Messiah, and his name is Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Christ. So what are we to do on this holy day? We've got a long week ahead of us. It's going to be full of smiles and tears. It'll be full of hosannas and cries of agony. But today, today we shout hosanna. Today we tell the world that Jesus has entered the city. Today we follow Jesus into the city as he speaks out against separation, against hatred, against injustice. And we will watch as he begins restoring all of creation, breathing new life into every corner of it. Today, we watch our children. We listen to them. And then we imitate them with the same reckless abandon that they show, not caring who may be offended by the coming of our King. I want to leave you with two questions today. The first, what is it that you're going to do this week to announce the arrival of the Messiah? What is it that you are going to do this week to announce the arrival of the Messiah? He's in the city now, he isn't hiding. With every action, he's proclaiming to all of creation that he is king and that God is redeeming the world through him. How are we announcing this arrival to those who are around us? The second question. What is it that you struggle with that's going to put Jesus on the cross for you? Many of us have been trying to stop doing something that turns our focus away from God during Lent. Or we've been adding something into our life that reorients our focus toward God during Lent. How are we doing with that? Do we feel closer to God because of it? 
Do we feel further away from God because of it? Think about what being the Messiah means. It means that Jesus is going to provide life for the world, for each of us. But he's going to have to die so that each of us might live. That grace is beautiful, and it makes us free. Let's not do anything to cheapen that grace. What are we struggling with that's keeping us from God? What nails will we drive on Friday so that we might live? Hosanna to the Son of David. The Messiah is here to take his throne. Amen.